God and welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Before we get into scripture today, let's open in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just praise your most magnificent name, Lord God, and we come before you to thank you for this ability to be able to gather together to be able to hear your words today. Lord God, I ask that you would take this message where you will for your glory, for your honor, and for your praise, and that these words come forward, that they, that they would be your words, Lord God, and that you would prepare our hearts and our minds and our spirits to receive your words today so that they may get sunken deep within our spirit, Lord. Have your way with this message, Lord God, and let it be a blessing to all those that hear it. These things I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Well, praise God. And once again, welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and pause this message and grab your Bibles and then come on back and hit play so that you can see the things that we're talking about so that you can see them for yourselves uh, in the word of God. Let's dive right into scripture and turn to the book of Haggai or Haggai. Haggai chapter one. And we're going to start in verse number two. Haggai chapter one, verse number two is a little small book in between Zephaniah and Zechariah. Okay, so Haggai chapter one. And we're going to start in verse number two. Thus, speak, thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Underline, the time has not come that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and, the temple, and this temple to lie in ruins? Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, underline that, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, underline that there again in verse seven, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood. And, be, and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. That I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. The scripture that I really want to focus on is verse number two, where it says, This people says the time has not come. The time that the Lord's house shall, should be built. The time has not come. Okay. With all the hustle and bustle of Christmas season, and, and it seems like Thanksgiving was just just last week, right? And, and we know it wasn't, it was a couple of weeks before that or so, but it seems like it was just yesterday that we just finished up with a Thanksgiving holiday. And if you prepare Thanksgiving dinner and you're hosting Thanksgiving dinner, there's a lot of work that goes into preparing that meal. And now we turn around and you've got Christmas shopping to do and wrapping gifts. And maybe you also host Christmas dinner or, or, or some sort of gathering with, with, with families that, that, that typically aren't in your household, which means there's a lot of preparation that has to take place. We're really, 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 really busy during this time of the year where, and, and on top of, of shopping for gifts and, and, and going to stores that are, that are crowded, we also have this new strain of coronavirus that has some people concerned about 
what changes are going to take place now in my city or in my state because of this, because of this virus? Are we going to be able to get back to normal or are there going to be more things that are going to be imposed on us? And that starts to raise stress levels. But this is supposed to be a joyous time of the year for all of us. And so this is not a message about Christmas. But what I really want to talk about is where are you spending your time? Because we need to make sure we're always making time for God. And yeah, this time of the year is going to be busy, but we need to make sure that we're making time for God. There's a lot of different ways to spend time with God, and we'll get into those in, in Scripture. If you're out shopping and, and, and everything like that, bringing God with you to the store as you're going shopping is never a bad thing to do. Okay, There's plenty of times when I've gone out shopping for things, and I'm like, Lord, you know, help me to have patience dealing with some of these long lines and, and the short staffing that might be in, in the particular store that I'm going in. Help me to find the thing that I'm actually looking for and let it be at a reasonable reasonable price and not let it be damaged or anything like that. Let it meet the, my expectations um, as I go out there to, to, to make that purchase, all right? That's a way that we can, bring, we can bring God with us. We don't want to ever be in a situation where we're too busy for God. Regardless of what, regardless of what time of year it is, no matter what we have going on in our lives, we don't ever want to come to a situation like in verse 2 where we say the time has not come to build the Lord's house. We don't want to say that the time has not come for me to open the word of God. The time has not come yet for me to pray to God or to seek God's face because I've got so many other things that I have to do. I just got a new job. And it's very, very demanding. And I've got to learn all these new skills and new people. And, and, and I'll get to God tomorrow. Or I've got, I, I can't get to God now because when I get home, I got to do laundry. Or I have to make dinner. Or I've got to do some other chores around the house. I got to get kids to this game or to that game. Or I got to do this in my neighborhood or that with my community or that with my church. Okay? And so therefore, I don't, have, I don't have time for God. Well, we always should make time for God. In Genesis chapter 2, God, uh, the Bible talks about how God rested on the seventh day. After he was done with, 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 with his creation, he rested. He saw all was good and he rested and he blessed the day. He blessed that, that, that Sabbath day. And so as Christians, we oftentimes reserve Sunday for the time to go to church. But just because we go to church on Sunday doesn't mean Sunday is the only time we're supposed to be spending with God. After all, the unbeliever typically uses Sunday as a day to rest and recover from you know, all the craziness of the, the six days before that. Some like to spend a lot of time Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays going out to every single party and club and bar that they can think of. And then they use Sunday to rest, to get their energy up because they have to go to work Monday. Or they use Sunday to, 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 to do laundry or to clean up the house or wax that car that they got that they, that they love so much or go out and play some golf because that's, that's relaxing. But we shouldn't just be spending one time, spending one day a week, spending time with God. We need to find time during the week to meet with God and to talk with God and to spend time with him. It's recommended that we sleep eight hours a day. So here's some math for you. Eight hours a day is the amount of time that we're supposed to be sleeping, which means we spend 16 hours a day actually being awake. If you spread 16 hours out across seven days, that's a total of 112 hours that we spend a week being awake. 112 of 168 available hours to us, we spend awake. 
Okay. That was other uh, 56 hours. That's the time that we typically spend to sleep. But most people nowadays don't even get eight hours of sleep. They get less than that, which means that the waking hours is even more than 16 hours a day. So if we have 112 hours of awake time during the week, how is it that we can't find time to spend with God? It's not that we don't have the time to do it. It's the fact that we don't prioritize it. We don't want to do it. We let other things take over. The same way that, 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 that these people were supposed to build this temple and they let other things and other priorities, uh, um, um, cloud or, or, or block their, the, 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 the fact that they had to build this temple, right? The fact that they let other things come up and take their eyes away from what was supposed to be done. They then put this off. And now what God is saying here is, no, go in verse eight, go up to the mountains and bring woods and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. God is not being glorified if we don't spend time with him. So we need to carve out time out of our day to be able to do that. And we're going to look at different ways to spend time with God. One of the most obvious ways to spend time with God is what we do on Sunday. Turning your Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter 5. Second Chronicles chapter 5. And we are going to go to uh, verse, verse number 11. Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse number 11. So one of the ways that we spend time with God, you know, if we go to church on Sunday, is we, we spend time with God by being in praise and worship. Second Chronicles 5, 11. And it came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. And the Levites who were the singers, all those of Asaph and Haman, excuse me, Haman and Jet and Jeduthim with their sons and their brethren stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, string instruments and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass. When the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound, underline that, were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Underline all of that in verse 14. So that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud. Of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. So when we come to church, and before we get into the, 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 the sermon, we spend time praising and worshiping God. We should be doing this, this, this corporate worship should be done on one accord. We all should be focusing on being able to spend time uh, telling God how much we, we we love him and blessing his name and thanking him for all the wonderful things that he that he has given us. We should be doing that collectively as the body of Christ during that uh, or before that service, trying to make that one on one connection with him so that he can touch us in his own special way. When we praise and worship God, it allows his presence to fill that place that we're in. It allows his presence to fill that place that we're in. I don't know about you, and I know, but I've been in churches 
where the Holy Spirit is just moving in the sanctuary. Okay. The Holy Spirit, he's just moving and doing, doing his, doing his thing in the sanctuary. And, and, and everybody's just on one accord and they're reaching out and they're crying out to him. And it's almost as though you can, you can feel his presence. If you're outside the sanctuary, you can feel his presence. And if you don't know what that presence is or what it, or what it is that you're feeling, you will know that you don't cross that threshold going into the sanctuary during that time, because by doing so, you may inadvertently distract someone that's making a connection with God. And when they're making that connection with God, it could then disrupt the overall flow of the Holy Spirit. Because remember, when Holy Spirit moves, he's moving based off of our will. He's not going to move and override our own free will. So that corporate worshiping of God, when Holy Spirit moves in that in that moment, is because he's moving based off of everyone's own free will. So by entering into that sanctuary during that time, you can distract someone where they can lose that connection and Holy Spirit isn't able to move in the way that he wanted to move because that person is is... Their free will isn't violated, but now because they have free will, they're thinking about something else as opposed to making that that connection with God. That's why we see here in verse um, in verse fourteen that the priests weren't even able to continue to minister because the presence of God came in and it filled that place. Okay, it filled that place. If you don't feel God's presence during praise and worship, whether you're in church and you don't have to, you don't have to just be in church to praise and worship. Okay, you can praise and worship at home. All right. Spending time with God isn't about creating or recreating the same the same approach and same structure that you would have inside of a church building. You don't have to recreate church at home. Okay, that's not necessary. So you can spend time praising and worship God, worshiping God when you're when you're at home. But if you can't feel God's presence when you're praising and worshiping, the question you have to ask yourself is, what is it that's distracting you from being able to make that connection with him? What is it that has your mind so occupied that you just can't let go and that you just can't praise and, and worship God in spirit and in truth? And part of the worshiping God in the spirit and the truth is that you're, you're, you're being honest about what you're telling him. You're being honest about what you're, you're sharing, what you're sharing with him. You honestly want to make that, 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 that connection with him. You honestly want to be able to hear from him and you honestly are blessing him and thanking him for what he's done for you. So if you can't feel God's presence, you got to find out what is it that's distracting you from, from what is it that's distracting you and keeping you from being able to connect with him? It doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. It's about what you're doing, where your heart is, where your spirit is. Because you can connect with God anywhere. You can feel his presence anywhere. But it all comes down to what is it that you're actually doing. The other thing about God's presence and why it's important to be able to feel his presence around us and make that connection is that in part of Isaiah 30, verse 15, it says, In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. So that time when you're praising and worshiping God, whatever, when, when, whether it's in church, whether it's a, a, at home, whether it's in your car, whatever it is, wherever you are, whatever's around you, when you make that connection there, that's where your strength comes from. Okay? That's where your peace comes from. That's where your joy comes from. So when you're praising and worshiping God, if you're not feeling joy and peace and strength and, 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 and confidence, then you're not making that connection with him. Okay. 
If you're feeling despair or you're feeling sadness, that will disappear when you make that connection with God. But it has to be an act of your will. No one can force you or make you have that connection with God. It's an act of your will. It's having faith and understanding that, 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 that God is invisible and I can't see him. But when I cry out to him that he actually hears me. Okay, he hears me and he's listening to me and he wants to make a connection with me. So it's, it's a reciprocal relationship. When I'm praising God, it's because God wants to hear. It's because I want to praise God and God wants to hear my praise. So since he wants to hear my praise and he's reaching out for me, and since I want to praise him and I'm reaching out to him, we start to then meet and we start to get closer and closer together. And then that connection is made. When we are in his presence, we don't need to rush to get out of it. And we shouldn't rush to get out of it, which means we have to put all distractions aside. Find a place in your home where you can close the door and cut, cut out all the distractions that are around you so that you can spend time, time in God's presence. Now, God understands that we have a lot of things going on. OK, God understands that. But when you're in God's presence, nothing else matters in that moment. Nothing else matters in that moment. God understands that you have things you have to get to, places where you have to be. But if God makes that connection with you and you're in his presence, don't be in a rush and don't be distracted thinking about what you have to do later on that day to where you sever that connection prematurely. Stay in it. Okay, stay in it. Oftentimes we hear, you know, the, the, how does the saying go? That it's not about the destination, it's about the journey or it's about the journey, not the destination. Well, when you're in God's presence, you're going through a journey. God wants to take you on a journey while you're in that way, while you're in his presence. So don't rush to get to the end to praise him and say, OK, now I've got to get to think I got to get get to other things that I need to do. Spend time in that presence, because in, in, as we go through that journey and we remain in his presence, God can then accomplish the thing that he wants to accomplish. He can accomplish the thing that he wants to accomplish in that moment with us as we make that connection. So whether it's in your bathroom and you can close the door while you're showering and getting ready, if it's in your bedroom, if it's in your garage, if it's in your car that's sitting in the garage or your car that's sitting out in the driveway, find a spot where you can spend some time with God and shut out the outside world and not be distracted by what's going on. And then take your time while you're in that, while you're in his presence, make the time to connect with him and enjoy that moment. And you may be thinking like, you know, how much time do I spend in God's presence? Okay. God knows how much time he needs with you. And if you let him guide that time, you will see that whatever time frame that might be, whether he only needs to spend a few minutes with you or maybe a half an hour or an hour, whatever that time is, when you exit his presence, you will feel refreshed. You will feel really good about whatever it is that's going on. And, and Holy Spirit is such a gentleman because not only does he reach out to you quietly and subtly, but when you are in that presence and, and, and it's time to uh, let go, if you will, or, 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 or if, the, if the meeting, if you want to call it a meeting, when the meeting ends, it's a gentle pulling away. Okay. It's a gentle pulling away. It's not one of those bang. God just hung up the phone on you. 
it's almost like a natural conversation you have with somebody when you're talking with them. And then naturally, you're at a point where it's like, all right, yep, I got to get going now. You know, it's so good to talk with you. And it's a natural break and an ending to the conversation. It's no different when you're spending time with God. And I spent a lot of time talking about praising and worship and getting in his presence. And I don't know why, but somebody out there God is talking to is trying to tell you that he's trying to spend some time with you. Okay. Somebody listening to this needs to know that God is trying to spend some time with you. And all he's wanting you to do is to take the things that you think are important in your life and put them aside and make him the most important aspect of your life and that relationship with him the most aspect, important aspect of your life. And what he's saying to you is that he will honor the things that you are trying to do and he will take care of those things. But the only way for him to be able to take care of them is if you actually spend time in his presence so that he can guide you and that he can direct you and that he can give you his peace so that you can let go of that thing that you're still holding on to. So that you can let it go. Spend time with him. He wants to talk to you. He wants to share something with you. He wants you to know that he's there for you. He wants you to know that he's got all the answers that you're looking for. But he's waiting for you to show him that you want to spend time with him because he wants to spend time with you. Another area that we can spend time with God in, or another simple way, if you will, to spend time with God, it's simply by talking with God. Just simple talking with God. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. And we're going to go to verse number 20. Genesis 18 verse 20. Yeah, this is um, uh, God and, uh, and, Abraham, uh, and Abraham talking about about what he's going to do to Sodom. All right. And so, uh, before the, and you can read scriptures, read scriptures before this, where, 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 where the angels told, um, or God told Abraham that Sarah was going to have a wife, uh, um, Isaac, he was going to have to give birth to Isaac and she kind of laughed it off, um, and everything like that. And so now they, they're up talking, uh, talking about what's going to happen with Sodom. Um, and so that's what we're picking up. We're picking up here. Uh, Genesis 18 verse 20. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know it. So God is saying here that that he's hearing all about all the evil and the and the sin that's happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. So now he's going to go down and see if this if if what he is hearing in, in essence is actually true. And he's going to know it when he actually goes there. Verse 22, then the men turned away from there. These were the two angels that were with him. Uh the men then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham still uh still stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Now, underline that. Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Because what you see here is just a simple question. God, Abraham just had a simple question for God. He didn't go through this fancy ritual to, 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 to ask him a question. He just simply said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Simple question. So what this shows us is that we can go to God and ask God a simple question as well. Even though God is all powerful, we can still go to him and just ask him a simple question. Verse 24. Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? 
Far be it from you to do, uh, far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Then Abraham answered and said, indeed, now I who am, uh, I who am but dust. Okay. I who am but dust and the ashes have, uh, excuse let me read that again. Indeed, now I am. I who am but dust, there we go, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than the righteous, than the 50 righteous. Would you destroy all of the city for the lack of five? So he, he being God said, if I find, if I find there 45, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there should be 40 found there. So he said, I will not do it for the sake of 40. Then he said, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, indeed, now I have, I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 20. Then he said, let, the Lord, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. But once more, suppose 10 should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. So the Lord went his way. As soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, Abraham and Abraham returned to his place. Okay, a lot of things there. Okay, there's a lot of things. First and foremost, Abraham was not or did not, and same, same as us, does not have the power to change what God wants to do. Okay. I have heard some say that, oh, Abraham was bargaining with God. And, and no, Abraham was not bargaining with God. All right. God is all knowing. God knew right off the bat what he was going to do and not do regarding that city. He knew that Abraham was going to ask him these questions. Okay. See, what happens oftentimes is we don't understand God's plan all the time and we don't know what God is thinking or what he is going to do. So when we don't know those things, what we have to do is we have to ask him. There's nothing wrong with asking God, like, Lord, like, why am I in this situation? What is it that you're trying to teach me? What is it that you're trying to show me? Okay. We need to be able to, to understand that we can ask God questions, that we can, we can talk to God. Um, um, in fact, it was in, uh, Exodus, I believe it was, I think it was, uh, 33rd chapter where, 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 where it said that God spoke to Moses as a friend. Okay. God wants that relationship with us. We should be able to speak to God directly and, and, and address our concerns with him. Be open and honest with him and ask him whatever question might come to mind. There's nothing that we can't ask God about. There's no reason we cannot share our feelings with God. The reason why we don't talk to God oftentimes is because we think he's too busy to listen to us. We think that, you know, out of everything that's happening around the world, that my little problem of me not being able to find my keys because I misplaced them, that, that God is too busy for me to go to him and just say, God, where are my keys? Lord, have you seen my keys? Where did I put them? That during this holiday season, that, 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 that as I'm driving to the store, that I can't ask God to help me find a parking space in a crowded parking lot because he's got more important things to do. Okay. God is everywhere all the time. He's all powerful. He doesn't tire. He doesn't rest. Trust me. 
Whatever it is, don't trust me, actually trust the word of God. Whatever you have going on in your life and whatever everyone else, are the, what, six billion people on this planet, out of all the issues that all six billion of us have, God has time for every single one of us. Without a doubt, he has time for every single one of us. Okay. Abraham was interceding on behalf of someone else. Remember, Lot made the decision in previous chapters that he was going to take his family and his cattle and his flock and everything and go into Sodom because he saw that Sodom was a beautiful land, that it was a fertile land. So he chose to go over there. Abraham knows what God is about to do to that city because of all of the sin. And so what he's doing, he's, he's interceding on behalf of Lot. As children of God, we should be in, interceding on behalf of others as well. When somebody comes to you with a problem, even if you think it's nothing, don't dismiss it. Listen to what they actually have to say. And after you hear that, if Holy Spirit moves to you, to move, moves in you to, to say something to them, then you say something to them. But when you go home and you go to pray, or even later that day, and I definitely have done this plenty of times where I've had a conversation with someone and they share some things with me. As soon as the conversation was over, I stopped and I prayed for that person. Okay. I went somewhere and was like, oh, Lord, okay, I'm going to pray for this individual. Here's what's going on. We should be praying for others, all right? The Bible calls us to do that, right? This is what Abraham was doing in this situation, was that he was pleading with God and asking God to not destroy everyone in that city because he knew that Lot was in there and he didn't want Lot to be destroyed, all right? So he was interceding with him, not trying to bargain with God. The same way Abraham was honest with God about his concerns, we need to be honest with God about our concerns. We need to be truthful with God because after all, he already knows what we're thinking. We can't hide anything from God. Sometimes we like to think we can. Sometimes we like to think if I just don't tell God this, the same way that I can hide something from somebody if I don't tell it to them, if I don't say this to God, I can hide this from God. But the reality of it is you can't. And oftentimes the reason why God doesn't move is because he's waiting for you to bring your concern to him, not to assume that just because he knows it, that you're going to, that he's just going to act. When you bring your concern to God, okay, even though he already knows it, what that does is it allow, it, it shows God that you are willing to give up yourself and what you think you should do. And not rely on your own abilities and that you're, 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 you're willing to give it to him, that you're surrendering to his will and not to your own will. That's why we bring those concerns to God. So God can see that and then say, okay, now I can act because you are giving up your will because you want my will to be done in your life. Now I can roll up my sleeves and actually get to work. Sodom was a beautiful and fertile land, but the sin was so great that God had to destroy it. The people were prideful, they were wealthy, but they didn't care for the needy. They didn't care for the needy. Look around you, saints of God. Look at what's happening in the world. Look what's happening in this country. There are areas where people are sitting in positions of authority that are saying that they're there to help those that are less fortunate. But yet and still, every decision that is made does not seem to benefit anyone other than that individual in power or those groups of people that are that are in power. OK, look what happened to Sodom and, and Sodom had other other sins that are in there. OK, so so the, the the fact that they were wealthy and didn't help help the needy is not the only sin that that was in that was in Sodom and Gomorrah. There were other things as well. But if you look at what's happening in this country. 
And the fact that that that, that there isn't this this this, this there, there isn't a godly push and a godly focus to help those that are less fortunate. That there's pride and selfish selfishness that, that that that's taking place. God is not going to stand by and continue to watch this to go on. All right. Now, I'm not saying God is going to is going to rain fire on, on, on the country and, and destroy it physically and everything like that. But don't think for one second that if we continue on some of the paths that we're on as a nation or in our cities and or, or, or in our states and, and continue to do things counter to the word of God. Don't think that God is just going to sit by idly and just watch. He won't. At some point, he's going to step in. At some point, he's going to step in. So we need to be very, very, very careful about what we're doing in our lives. If you are in a position where you have some authority to exercise decision making over those or, or, or develop policies for those that are less fortunate, seek the word of God. Seek out God's face to find out what it is that you need to do so that you're doing it in a way that he would want you to do it, not the way that you think you should do it, not the way that you think that you should do it. When we talk to God, it's two-way communication, the same way Abraham was talking with God in this moment. You notice I said talk with God, not talk to God. Talking with God means two-way communication. I talk and then I listen. He's always listening. So I know that when I talk, he's listening. Now I have to also listen. I must listen for his response when I talk to him. This is why we never want to any time ever. We never, ever want to rush the amount of time we spend with God. Okay. We need to talk to him. We need to listen to what he has to say. And then we need to put into actions the things that he's telling us to do. All right. So that's another way to spend time with God is just simply talking with him. Anytime that you get a chance. I don't know how long this conversation took between Abraham, the word of God, between Abraham and God, the word of God doesn't say it. But you saw it only took us, what, maybe a minute or so to read it. Like I said earlier, you don't have to recreate church at home to be able to talk to God and spend time with him. You can just simply talk to him. The last area that we need to be spending time with God in is studying his word. Turning your Bibles to Second Second uh, Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2. Last few scriptures here as we get ready to close. And, oh, no, not 2 Timothy 2. Oh, praise the living God. Okay, yes, it is 2 Timothy chapter 2. <laughs> Excuse me, that I was in the wrong uh, the wrong book there. Praise the living God. It's all right. We'll get through this. Second Timothy chapter two, and we're going to go to verse number fifteen. Okay, studying studying the Word of God is a way that we actually can spend time with Him. So second Second Timothy chapter two, verse fifteen. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenius and, uh, and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, 
The, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names, uh, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Okay. Verse 15 there. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Some translations also say study to show thyself approved to God. All right. In other words, studying the word of God is not only way is not an the only way that we can spend time with him, but it also shows him that we are trying to learn about him, that we're trying to learn about him. Okay. Studying isn't easy. All right. If you remember back to your time in school, maybe you're in school now or you're, or you're finished with school. If you remember, it's not easy to go and study. It's not easy to pick up the Bible and look at the little footnotes and read the footnotes and cross-reference to other scripture and do this and do that and start getting all of the, the, the context and be able to read through the different metaphors and, and find out what, the, what all of that actually means. That's not easy to do. But the reason why we study to show ourselves approved to God is because what this is saying is that we are showing God and that we need to show God that we are going to stop at nothing to be able to learn about him. That we will do whatever it takes to have that deep relationship with him, to learn about him by studying, by studying his word. Rightly dividing simply means that we're able to piece together the different scriptures to be able to understand what it is that God is actually, that God is actually talking about, right? Studying means that we don't just read the Bible like a novel to escape reality, but as a manual on how to live our lives as a manual to how to live our lives. When we can recognize this as a manual on how to live our lives and not some, some, some novel, some fiction or some book that I, I picked up at the, at the store that somebody told me that I have to read, I have to read. When we can look at it and understand it's a manual for how we live our lives, it allows us to be able to connect the dots. And more importantly, it does something that no book actually does, no matter what book you read. And that is when you read the word of God, the author of the Bible, which is God himself through man, right? Through his Holy Spirit, inspiring man to put the, 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 the ink to the page or, you know, whatever it was they were using back then to, 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 to document things. All right. It, it, it allows the author, God himself to speak directly to you. Unless you pick up a, a, a book and you know that author and as you're reading, the author is actually talking to you. All right. You don't get that same interaction that, that, that you have with the Bible. In fact, I remember from some literature classes that I had in college, how oftentimes we would look at a book and the, and the, the professor would ask us, what does this mean to you? What does this particular passage mean to you? Everybody had a different interpretation. And what the professor was looking for was, can you apply the different literary elements to what you are reading to come up with a meaning for you of what that, of what that book means? There are no literary, if you will, interpretations of the word of God. It's only Holy Spirit's interpretation. So when we're spending time reading the Bible and we're trying hard to understand that, God is able to talk to us and share with us the only meaning of what these scriptures are. Not another man's meaning. Okay. This is why verse 16, it talks about shame, pro, uh, uh, shun profane and idle and, and, and idle babblings. Okay. These idle babblings, these are people that have no substance when they're talking about the things of God. And they're talking about things that are ungodly and trying to say that they are godly. They're misinterpreting scripture or misquoting scripture. Okay. And when that happens in verse 18, towards the end there, it says they overthrow the faith of some. What that means is that 
when they're going out here and they're and they're they're, they're spreading these lies and these 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 false false truths and, and, and these half-truths because they don't have Holy Spirit's interpretation. What it's leading to is leading to people who under who who know the word of God, they have a hard time with 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 recognizing or believing what they know about the word of God because somebody else came out and they said it in a way that was just it was so profound and, and, and it had so much authority and power to it that they must be right. Or that person has so-and-so degrees after their name and all of the, or so-and-so letters after their name with multiple degrees that somehow they must be right. They must be right. And what I know is not, is, is, is not right. Okay. But the only way we can know the difference between those two is to actually study. If we don't study, then we're going to allow ourselves to be swayed by the opinions of man. The opinion of what the word of God says, not the truth of what the word of God says, but what the opinion of what of what uh, a man believes the word of God says. And that spreads like a cancer, like like uh, in verse 17, that message will spread will spread like a cancer. OK. And everybody that starts to hear that message, they, they, they start having the wrong interpretations of what the Bible says. And all of a sudden you watch as their lives then start to spiral out of control and go downhill because they're believing something that a man says, not what the word of God actually says. Okay. As I said earlier, the Bible is the only book that you can read in which the author, God himself, will talk to you while you're reading it. Deuteronomy 30 verse 14 says, but the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. It's right here in front of us. It's right here. It's not hidden somewhere. We go to God to get the read. We, we go to God to get the meaning for it. We go to God to understand the mysteries. When we don't understand something, we go to God. We don't listen to what another man says. Anything that we hear about the word of God that comes from a man, we should be checking it with God. We should be checking it with God. This is why the Bible talks about test the spirit, try the spirits. Don't take what somebody is telling you hook, line, and sinker. This is why uh, uh, oftentimes you've heard me say in my messages, if you if you don't have your Bible, pause it and get the Bible and, and, and then unpause the message because you got to see for yourself what the word of God says. Don't take my words for it. Look at the word of God and see what it says. Okay? Look at it and see and see what it says. So we can spend time with God by studying his word. So how can I actually make time for God? We know what to do to spend time with God, but how can I actually make time with God? Well, the first thing you can do is take an inventory of what you do on a daily basis. Take a step back and look at what is it that you do every single day and how long does it take you to do that? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, necessarily doing some sort of, you know, fancy grass or, 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 or something like that. But really take a look at what you do during the day, where you're spending your time. Find one activity, just one, that you can replace, one activity that you can eliminate and replace it with spending time with God. And then find a place, once you do that, during that time, find a place to be alone. If you're not sure what to do during that time when you're alone, talk to God. Just say, God, I want to spend more time with you. And I have this time set aside to talk to you, but I don't know what to do during this time. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to listen for. I don't know where in the, in the Bible to start reading. Just do that. Just talk to him. And then listen to what he has to tell you. He will honor you for making that heartfelt effort to connect with him. 
He will tell you what you need to know. He will share with you what he wants to share with you. Okay. The other thing you could do during that time, if you're, if, if you're, if you're not sure what to say or what to do, just try playing some Christmas, Christian music and listen to the words that are being said in the songs. Just listen to the words that are being said. Start singing along with it. Act like you're in front of God and you're praising him and, and, and by yourself and that you're, you're praising and, and just do that during that time. And you'd be surprised how quickly the, uh, how quickly the environment starts to shift, how you can start to feel the presence of God surrounding you. Okay. Then when you do this, make it a daily habit, make it a daily habit, make it untouchable time, make it sacred time, make it time that. When you say, if you say that seven o'clock, let's say every single night, I'm going to spend some time with God instead of reading the newspaper or watching news, I'm going to spend time with God at seven o'clock, make it a daily habit and make it so that no one, no one, no one, and no thing, no situation can come in and take that time from you. No matter what it is you're doing. No matter what it is that, that, that that's going on, seven o'clock, if that's the time that you pick, stick to it. The same way that we have meetings, if you're working and you're in the workplace, you have some meetings that you have to go to. The same thing with this. Make this a meeting with God that you have to go to. And don't let anyone, anyone keep you from keeping that meeting. Praise God. Well, praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And now let's close in prayer. Dear Father God, most awesome and wonderful Lord God, I want to thank you for this message today and I want to lift up everyone that has heard these words and ask Lord that you would help us to be able to find time in our day for you if we're not spending adequate time with you Lord. Reveal to us the things that we can take out of our lives so that we can have more time to be able to spend with you to spend some good quality time with us. Help us Lord to be able to stick to that time whenever that might be so that no one and nothing and no situation or circumstance can keep us from meeting with you with that said, with that said time. Lord God, I ask that you continue to watch over us and to keep, continue to keep us safe, Lord God, and that you would continue to bless us, Lord. These things I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Oh, praise God. If this message was a blessing to you, uh, feel free to share this link to, uh, to, to the podcast and to these messages to anybody that, that you come in contact with, the friends, family, loved ones, or even somebody that might be in opposition to you, you can find us at Genesis 1, that's one word, genesis1.sermon.net. And if you click on the subscribe button on that page, you'll be able to receive notifications anytime uh, a new message is posted, okay? Well, praise God. It was a joy to be able to spend this time with you. And remember that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Praise God. And I sing praises to you.